Troy, can you say something? Troy, say something. Daddy, can you say something? If I didn't care. What up, cut up? Welcome to A Poor Excuse for a Podcast. My name is Nathan McDougal, author of A Poor Excuse for a Book, which is a collection of short stories from a relatively unknown author of mediocre, mediocre skill. I am that unknown author. Those mediocre skills are mine. And this is episode two, My Father, the Artist. And I have here with me, My Father, the Artist. Big Reggie, everyone uh, say hello to Big Reggie. What's Big Reggie, say hello to everyone. Um, up, I have my younger brother here, Little Reggie. Little Reggie, What's say. Up, man? And I have my uncle Troy here as well. What it do? All right, and today we got a real good episode for y'all. We're going to discuss chapter two of a poor excuse for a book. Stay with us. We'll be right back in less than thirty seconds. Don't take it personally. This may not work for you. I keep the burner with me. Might end up hurting you. Physically, I ain't betrayed. Verbally, I state the facts. Verbally, I smoke the best. Change the game, keep the rest. Money make a mindset. Penny to a dime set. Flip a mic, of course, from a motherfucking time. All right, welcome back. Once again, this is a poor excuse for a podcast. It's the podcast based off the book that you may or may not have read. Um, and I know that based off of the sales of it. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Today we are discussing chapter two, My Father, the Artist. And uh, in case you haven't read this particular chapter, this is when I was uh, eight or nine. I can't really remember. Uh, but my father, Big Reggie, the notorious is a, a very talented artist, and he's always been a very talented artist. And one time when I was nine or 10 years old, he was drawing a picture, and I asked him, what are you about to draw? And he said, Spider-Man. And he started to draw Spider-Man, but he started at the brow, not even the eyebrow, but he started at Spider-Man's brow. I remember that very specifically. And as he's drawing it, I'm looking over his shoulder, and, you know, me of little faith, I'm like, that don't look like Spider-Man. And he's like, you know, be patient, be patient, it's going to come along. And I'm just sitting back judging, like, I ain't like no Spider-Man I ever seen. And slowly but surely, the more he began to draw and add a line here, add a line there, the more the picture came to life. And before long, he kind of leaned back and took his pen off the paper, and lo and behold, that was Spider-Man. Um... So that was just a random memory that stuck with me. And uh, it is one that I just turned into a story and put in the book. Um, and as I was writing it and rereading it, I saw that there was a lot more there than just my father drawing Spider-Man. When I looked back on that memory, there was more of a lesson being taught in the simple exercise of drawing a picture. Which brings us to our discussion today. So, 
start with Big Reggie. Do you remember, maybe not even drawing Spider-Man specifically, but I believe in, in that moment we were living in South Nashville in Sherwood Terrace, and you had a drafting table, and that is specifically where you drew Spider-Man that day. But do do you remember anything I like do. that? I do remember. I draw Spider-Man. I draw Ninja Turtles because that's what he was into. So I was just giving him something that he was already into to catch his interest. But when I started the Spider-Man, yes, I, I start with not his head, his hands, his mouth. I start with something and work my way out because I see the picture in my head. And as I see it, that's how I draw it. So long as he didn't see it, that's why he kept complaining. That don't look like no Spider-Man I ever saw. But long as I saw it in my head, I told him, just be patient. The big picture will pop out to you soon later. And, and from that, which I didn't get, of course, as a 10-year-old, I didn't see. But this is kind of the beautiful thing about writing is as I was writing the story and it was kind of unfolding, then the lesson began to reveal itself of staying focused Staying on task, staying true to your own vision, regardless of what those outside of you may see or may be seeing. And eventually the picture that you are drawing, the vision that you see in your mind will be clear to the world. So, like, was that just a parenting accident or like was was that your intention or how did that how would you say that i wouldn't say it was an accident i was just saying it was it was just me staying focused mm. on what i was doing regardless what you saw and what you were saying mm. my focus i wasn't focused on teaching you the lesson on staying focused i was just focused on what i was doing Mm. You learned that lesson on your own. You saw that, that I stayed focused and didn't let you discourage me by saying that don't look like what I'm looking at. Right. I don't see what you see. Right. You learned, you saw that lesson on your own. Right. So when you read this particular story, we talked about it a couple of times and you were saying it was one of your favorite stories. I mean, you're in it, but because of that lesson being there, it's more about the Spider-Man drawing. Like, what, what were your thoughts when, like, you're first reading through this story and you are reliving me, reliving this memory? Can you, like... It was, um... To me, why I say this is my favorite story, because as... as a, I was a young man myself trying to raise a young man, and as dads talk to their kids, most of the time it goes in one ear and not the other. But to sit back and watch you learn your own lesson from a drawing that I was doing for you, mm -hmm. I mean, that's just what made this my favorite. Because you saw more than just a drawing. You saw a lesson to be learned in that drawing. And, I, and, and let me elaborate on that a bit. And I think as parents, we parents are the role model, whether it's going to be good or bad. Mm -hmm. parent, parent are the kids' first line of socialization and, and, and knowing what's out there in the world. And by I, I think by you watching him, questioning him, and critiquing him on the picture, that's not Spider Man. Like I just popped in my mind the Eddie Murphy thing and said, "That's not no McDonald's." <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same situation. Right. But uh, but because you stood fast and watched him from beginning to end, mm. and the reason why you did that because he was drawing Spider Man, what mm -hmm. sparked your interest to mm -hmm. stay focused on? I want to see if that's going to be Spider-Man. Right. The lesson you saw in that was 
I may not see it right in the beginning, but if I stick with it, if I stay focused like my dad did, the picture will reveal itself, which is what it did. And and I I guess you kind of relive that when you start writing that story, you start feeling the same thing. You start realizing what you really saw in him drawing as Spider-Man because you stayed focused in that story and it it eventually revealed itself just like, Spider-Man revealed itself to you when he was telling you just be patient. It's there. Because he already saw it. You just hadn't seen it yet. Right, right. And that's actually a great segue for my Uncle Troy because you, I don't even know if I ever told you this, you did a very similar thing with um, college and Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. So when we were growing up, um, both my father and my uncle went to Austin P. Um, and my uncle Troy pledged Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. And when we were growing up, we spent a lot of time at his house, me and my friends and my cousins and all of that. And he never came in the house stepping or shouting or, you know, throwing up hand signs. There just used to be small little subtle signs around the house of like the, uh, the, the, uh, the pendant, you know, like the baseball style sign. Mm-hmm. And then there was a picture of the frat house that was there. And maybe there was a refrigerator magnet on the refrigerator. And those small, subtle hints were more than enough to instill in my mind that when you leave high school, you go to college and you do things like pledge fraternities. And from that and just from my, my and especially from my dad telling stories about when he was at Austin P, those small, subtle signs and, and just that once, once, like you said, being a role model, whether you know it or not, for the good or the bad, you are constantly influencing the children around you by the things you say and even by the things you don't say. And just when I was in my senior year of high school and a uh, inner city high school where everybody was not guaranteed to go to college or even considering college. For me, it was never a question. Once you leave high school, you go to college. And I'm, I already had this familiarity, familiarity with college life, not only from the stories, but that seeing my uncle's small part of Greek life just from stuff hanging up in his house. Did you ever think that that was trickling down or affecting the boys around you um, as we were coming up? No, no, I didn't. And I, I'm, I'm surprised and, and pleased that, that I was a part of you making that decision to uh, to pledge uh, Alpha Phi for fraternity because me, myself, going to Austin P, I I sit back and, and, and I just try to realize where I fit. And, and, and I had every fraternity coming at me and I, I realized that I'm an alpha whether I pledge or not. That's my my demeanor, my character, so yeah, that, yeah, that was my turn. Uh, I, I had them all coming at me. <laughs> <laughs> I was a popular guy. I had them all coming at me. I, I really did. Everybody invited me to the smoke, their smokers. The only one I actually really went to was Alpha because I, I, I sat back my first year and I felt people out and this fraternity did this thing that wasn't me. This one did that thing that wasn't me. And I really didn't see anything that Alpha did that I didn't agree with or that mm-hmm. I would think that that was a, a, a let down and put down. And plus, I played football that first summer, and I met a couple of older alphas during that summer, so so I was familiar with them. Um, but once I crossed and came home, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't me 
walking around like a peacock, proud, mm-hmm. and I'm an alpha, always wearing the gear and stuff. Right. It was just, I know who I am, because in my mind, I, I already was an alpha. I just didn't know what alpha was at the right. time. Right. So it wasn't nothing for me to go around and brag on. I was surprised and pleased when you picked up on it and Richard picked up right. on it. And I, I, I kind of thought I set a little trend right, right. there that alphas was coming out of the family. But uh, I recall one time you was, uh, and you don't remember it, uh, Reggie brought you to Austin P, and then he ran off, left me to babysit, <laughs> and you were asleep. Okay. And you woke up on the couch in the front house. Right. And you just boo like a I can't get you to sit on <laughs> But once I gave you that cold drink, you, <laughs> you sit on that couch for hours drinking that cold drink until your daddy got back. Wow. And you was fine after that. So yeah. you was a lot alpha before you even knew it. You was already at the friend house. And the friend house is not there anymore. That's why I keep the picture in, in, in my house it's yeah. as a memory thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm happy to know that I had some say. So I thought you went up there and Marsha got you to play a jazz. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. But that's I, I, good to hear. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, and I, that's just a, a big part of the um, – the almost informational uh, DNA that goes from father to son. Um, now, you all coming up had a lot of brothers, and then y'all had Robert Wade as that father figure. Was there ever anything that he did that kind of you know seep just seeped into you uh, that you picked up on as you all were coming up, or is there is there any similar story with? With, we call him Granddaddy, but Robert Wade the first. What 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 one thing I could say about about our dad when we was young he would he would bring us look toys and stuff all the time from work or wherever he. I remember one time we lived outside he brought two uh, rocking horses for me and Reggie that was on the porch and we mm-hmm. was on the porch rocking and whatnot. Those was those was fond memories that that we were probably five or six or something like that. Uh, but when we grew up in Preston Taylor, one of my friends came to me, and I really didn't recognize it, but he said, you guys are the only one who still have a dad in the house. Mm. So one one major thing was, and it was hard growing up there with eight kids and living in, in public housing at the time. For dad, it was easy for dads to walk out, right. be gone, go do what they want to do. Right. And a one, kid, one, one of my friends brought that my attention that, you know, you you your family is one of the only ones with with a dad still in the house. Other dads will come and visit, come and go as they please, but he was there. So I commend him for for sticking it out because uh, we struggled big time, yeah. and for him to to stick to still stay there and try to raise seven or eight kids and 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 he wasn't the greatest dad, but yeah. he, he, <laughs> he he wasn't the worst. And and one thing he taught me was respect mm. and. Uh, and I, I'll share a story with that. One time I felt I was grown. I was probably nine years old. And he was sitting around drinking and doing what they do with his friends, Mr. Lionel and Red and all them. And Mr. Lionel always promised he was going to bring me a bicycle. Mm-hmm. And he never did. So one day I said, Lionel, uh, you said you're going to bring me a bicycle. And, and my daddy said, Troy, come here. He said, are you grown? I said, no. What? He'd be dead in the mouth. And said, and act like you did. That's Mr. Lionel. And from this point on, this day forward, someone older me, I'll say Mr. or Miss. Right. I had a friend, Michael Simmons, when we got 18, 19, their mama, Miss Lois, begged me to stop calling her Miss Lois. Because mm. I'm grown, Nancy. Right, right. She don't want, 
And I couldn't. Yeah. It was Miss Laws. I'm yeah. Robert Finley came and popped me. <laughs> it was Miss Laws. So so one thing he did teach us, what taught me was uh to be respectful. And I think that's what kid a lot of kids today they they've lost that. You know, they want to be grown too quick, want to call people by the first names too quick and just yeah. grow up too quick. I know one thing he did, he kept us in line. Like I said, it, it was it was five boys. Right. Five boys, three girls. And Believe me, we feared that man. <laughs> that man was that man was built. He was he was yeah, strong, muscular, yeah. and we feared that man. When that man come home and we lined up, getting ready to get whoopings, we sitting there watching the one before us get whoopings. We sitting yeah. there crying. Yeah, Y'all don't cry yet. I ain't got to you. I mean, but and that kept some of us out of trouble, right? Cause we feared right. what's gonna happen when we get home. Right. Is it worth it? Yeah. And we say, nah, it ain't so worth it. Said, nah, <laughs> nah, it ain't worth it. So that kept us, that kept us in line. That kept us out of trouble. It started mean, from the oldest on down to down. the youngest. So Bobby, Tyrone, Nay, me, and Reggie, wow. and we all laid, laying up butt naked against the wall. He just whooping us one at a time. <laughs> but when he got to Reggie, Ooh. the other four were we rolling. <laughs> Reggie's all over the place, screaming. The, yeah, he put on the show. Put on the show. He put on the show. We forgot about our whooping. We laughing now because yeah. he's bouncing funny, around. But like I said, he, he, he kept, kept us in line for back in the in the seventies, eighties. Yeah. Man, still be around with eight kids. He kept us. He kept us in line. Well, that, that's an interesting comment in itself. So, um, Robert was always there when all these other fathers were kind of leaving and running out. And you may have not even noticed it at that time, but do you think, because I, I have to say that my Uncle Troy and my father, Big Reggie, are great fathers. They are the pinnacle of fatherhood. And I used to think when my son was first being born or before he was even born, if I can be half the dad my father and my uncle are, then my son will have twice the dad that most people have. And as a result of just growing up with just two strong male role models, I honestly re remember I couldn't wait to be a dad myself because you guys made it look so fun and so hands-on and, and just... Like, it's the greatest job in the world. Do you think a part of that was the fact that Robert was there? Or was it because he was so strict or tough that you guys were like, man, I got to be a little bit looser. But there was never a question of not being present when you had kids. Or, or do you think the fact that when he was the last man standing fatherhood-wise in your neighborhood, did that have any effect on you when your time came around? Because both of you are, were young fathers too. Yeah, I think just like the Spider Man story, we didn't see it in the beginning, yeah. but you know, it, it it came to life that there was no question that for me, there was no question that I'm gonna be around. You know, I got yeah. an older daughter in Huntsville. Yeah, and uh, being a young dad, a poor dad, freshman sophomore year in college, to get way down in Birmingham just yeah. to make make myself a part of her life. Yeah. Uh, I think, I guess my dad instilled that in me because there was no way I was going to have a child in another state in another country for that matter. Yeah. And they not know, not just me, mm -hmm. but her people right. up here because Tianja knows everybody up here, birthdays and all that. Right. And, and with me, that was by design because she's my child. So she has to know her people up here as well as those 
down there. So I had to borrow cars and gas money and everything. Right. And her mom was good at, at letting me get her doing holidays and whatnot so she can really come up here and be a be a part of the family up here. But I guess my dad did instill that that you don't run out. You yeah. know, I don't care how tough or hard it get, how easy it get for you to just walk away and be done with it, you don't run out. You right. you, you stick it out. So so I learned that from him and you know, I learned a lot of stuff not to do from mm -hmm. him as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I think exactly. you had to pick, you know, the good and the bad because everything does a lesson in everything. It's just right. how how you read that lesson. So he, he, he taught me to be a better dad uh, for the situation, for the generation that, that we are now compared to. I'm sure he did the very best he could do right. with his situation and the 70s yeah. and, and whatnot. So, yeah, I, I, I do commend him for that. I, I, I respect him and I commend him for that. Like I said, he like I said the good and the bad because it, it it wasn't easy. It right. wasn't easy for us to come up. I right. mean, if it was easy, all the fathers would have stayed right. around. Right. But it wasn't easy, so that's why a lot of fathers left. And you know, it's easy for a man to walk out. Right. But to stay home and do what you gotta do, right. regardless of what you want to do, right. makes a big difference. Makes yeah. a big difference. He stayed home and did what he had to do. Like I said, when you want, you got to get up and go to work three, four o'clock in the morning. I don't want to do that, but right. I got to. Right, right, right. So it's a different doing what I want to do and what I gotta do. So he chose to do what he had to do and stayed home, and kept us on the straight and narrow. So right. that's why I choose to do what I got to do and whatever I have to take to take care of me and mine. That's what I choose to do. Right. Uh, so we also have here. Little Reggie, who was my younger brother, I, and I guess it from the far away it would seem odd that I'm the oldest, but my name is Nathan, and my younger brother is Reggie, which is who is actually Reggie Jr. But it's significant because I am named after someone, and Troy's oldest son is also named Nathan. So we grew up with two Nathans, a big name and a little name, and we are both named after my uncle who passed before me or my cousin was, was born. Um, but Reggie, just going into, do you remember, do you remember, because you're nine years younger than me, mm -hmm. so do you remember Big Reggie drawing, and I don't know if you remember the drafting table, do you remember any of that? I don't remember none of that. I don't remember none of that. But I, I always knew he could draw, because I always seen him draw certain stuff, or he'd just do like quick sketches or something, just to kind of, I guess just to keep me occupied or something like that. And it was always kind of interesting to me. To, the fact that he can draw is kind of what turned me on to art and why I like art and stuff. And then uh, I just kind of grew, took it from there. And I like the story because I felt like he was focused on, he started on this. And you just see like, say he started on the foot, you say he started yeah. on the brow. You see yeah. the brow and you like, what, what are you drawing? Yeah. You focused on one thing, but you got to look at the bigger picture. That's the right. story. That's the lesson I got from him. You got to, you gotta focus on a bigger picture rather than just a small part of uh, whatever he started on. Right. right, you gotta look back. You gotta step back and look at everything and get the whole image. And that's the that's the lesson I learned from it. And uh, just kind of uh, art. So him him introducing me into art kind of taught me that. Yeah. Like you gotta step back and look at everything and, and see everything for what it is, and not focus on the bottom corner of the picture. You gotta focus on the whole picture. Uh, let me ask because uh, today. I had me and Ethan were doing like some last minute school shopping stuff. 
but they had to use the bathroom, and we stopped in Barnes & Noble Bookstore in Cool Springs. Now, this is the only bookstore in the world that has my book in it, and I had to finagle to get my book in there. But since we were going in there for him to use the bathroom, I said, Ethan, you want to see my book on the shelf? My book is in here for sale. And he was like, yeah. And he was like, after the bathroom, though. So, of course, we go to the bathroom first. And then we come back out, and he he sees the book, and he's pulling it out, and he's, like, grinning and cheesing. And it is a moment for me that I'm happy as a father to be able to share with him, and it's, hope, it's something that I hope that he can be proud of. And as he grows older, I'm hoping that it can be that Spider-Man moment and where he is inspired and things like that of his father as you guys were coming up as young fathers and Reggie, even for you now with a daughter, um, two daughters of your own, do you ever recognize those Spider-Man moments as they are happening? Were there ever any moments in which you said, I hope my son remembers and holds on to this? Or where you were like, I'm going to remember and hold on to this even if he doesn't? Did you ever have moments like that? No, I just I just try to teach y'all to be just if if you just a little bit better than me, mm. then make your kids a little bit better than you. Right. Sooner or later we're gonna be on top. Right, right, right. We're gonna be on top. So just be a little I never wished you would be like me. He gonna be just like me. Right. Now I want him to be better than me. Right. So be better than me with your kids raising your family and make them better than you raising right. your family. I never wish that you be like me. Right. Be better than me. Right. I actually remember you telling me that when yeah. I was super, super young. You used to football practice to make these rides home, and that's when the storytelling and the lessons were imparted. Yeah. But what about you, Troy? Were there ever any Spider-Man moments? I actually had, had a situation today. Uh, Nathan was... Trying to change his brakes and change his oil, and and I used to get up under there with him and make him watch me, and mm -hmm. and and I'll let him get in there every now and then and whatnot. And today he called me and said he needed to come over and change his back brakes and his oil. And of course, me and Lisa, we was out at the time, so mm -hmm. I just told him call me if he needed to. Mm -hmm. But when I got home, he had just just about got finished, so he basically did it all himself. All I did was just turn the screw yeah. to put uh, put one of his tires back on. And as he was turning the rest of the screw, he said, I ain't going to lie. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he said, I'm proud of myself. Yeah. I said, and you should be. Yeah. I mean, because he did it all himself and yeah. the breaks and everything. And, and, and I think that's his Spider-Man moment. I think he realized there's a lot of stuff that he know he don't know how to do. Right. But just because you don't know how to do it doesn't mean you can't do it. Right. So he said, man, this time on, I'm going to work on all my cars. I'm like, just buy your car. It don't need work at all. <laughs> but, but it's good to be able to work on your car. Right. And I, I hope it, it transitions not just with his car, but with life and other things in right. life. That it's, it's things you can do yourself and, and I mean, anybody can go out and pay for something, but if you've got hands-on experience in doing stuff like that yourself, you take better pride in it. Right. It's like when you make your own money, you're going to be more patient with that money right. than if you get that easy money because as quick as you get it, you'll throw it away. Right. But if you work hard and earn it, you'll take more care of it. And and, and, and he said that, and I'm like, well, and, and you should be, so right. I can see the gleam in his face. So somewhere in them years down the line, he's seen me doing it and, and something stuck in right. there. 
and today was his day to do it himself. So, so yeah. Reggie, I think we're going to bring it to a close on you. Do you have a Spider-Man moment with Jada or with Big Ridge or with Troy, or do you ever even anticipate one where you're like, man, I hope this stick with I have, uh, I don't know if it's a, considered a Spider-Man moment. I have a, a memory uh, with, with both Troy and uh, Big Ridge. So I was trying, I remember when I was trying to learn how to ride a bike. I started off with, with Daddy, mm-hmm. and he was, we was, uh, he was in the front yard. We was somewhere. He was trying to teach me how to do it. I kept falling off, kept leaning and falling right. off. And he was like, man, we'll try it later or something like that. Then I went up to Troy's house, and he yeah. tried to show him the same thing. <laughs> I keep just leaning and falling. And he said the same thing. He said, man, we'll try it later. He went in the house, and I just kind of kept doing it by myself. And he came out probably about, I don't know how long later. And I'm kind of getting the hang of it. He was just like, there you go. You got it now. Yeah. And it was just like, so they have to show me, but then they also have to step away and let mm. me kind of do it myself. Mm. Yeah. And it was, I don't know if they were just fed up with me falling or they yeah. fed up with me like not pedaling because I, yeah. I just wasn't moving yeah. my feet. And it was like, so once I figure out you got to just keep moving your feet and keep and keep going, I kind of did it by myself. They kind of just stepped back and let me do it. Yeah. And I, and I ended up getting the hang of it. Um, but another thing that happened with me and Jada is kind of something I want to stick with her because it's going to stick with me. Uh, we listen to, we don't listen to like, New, we listen to new music, but we listen to kind of like old movies, like old school or even like oldies. Mm-hmm. And we listen to like uh, Shake, 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 Senora, and yeah. it's her favorite song. She yeah. loves that song for some odd reason. Yeah. And she want to dance to it. So at one point, we were just in the living room jumping around dancing and singing. And it's like, I just want her to remember that. Yeah. I'm going to remember it forever. And it's just stuff like that. Like, I just want stuff like that to keep kind of happening. I want to, when she get learn how to ride a bike, I just right. want to figure out how, how that's going to play out. It's right. going to play out the same way and stuff like that. Like, just a little small stuff like that. I that think it's a powerful thing you said is sometimes you have to just step away. Mm-hmm. You've taught the lesson. You got to step away and let them figure it out on their own. And one last thing that kind of taps into that, very, very similar, is I was also at Troy House and I was also on a bike. But this was a motorcycle <laughs> that I told Troy, yeah, I know how to drive it. Uh, Tab and her both had motorcycles. And he was like, are you sure this thing is bad? I'm, yeah, man, I know exactly what I'm doing. Chill out. I got this. And he said, all right, now I'm going to go in the house. And he turns his back and he walks into the house. And I revved that motorcycle. And that bad boy took off. And I smacked Troy's wall destroyed the motorcycle, woke, looked up upside down, my arm bleeding, antifreeze or whatever is leaking, and Troy walks back out. It's like, man, what are you out here doing? <laughs> and that's why sometimes you let people do it on their own and they crash into a brick wall. But it's all a lesson. But i like to thank y'all for coming out today. Thanks for uh, going through this uh, with me. Thanks for being great dads and great role models and great father figures. And i just like to take this moment right now to thank you both for everything that you've done. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. All right. All right. And we are out. That ends uh, episode two. So we'll see y'all next time on the Poor Excuse for a Podcast. Thank you. Peace. Trap life. Trap life. Yeah. Trap life. Life. Yeah. Ain't got no clip in the gun, but still got one in the head. I let my prisoners run, then put a hole in their head And bury me in the crowd, when you find that I'm dead King Z, remember me until the sky turns red Seen that shit in my dreams, so I made a doomsday tape Really, that's just all my brothers gave us niggas a name Yeah, it's Zuku, my nigga, never met no umbrella Might be cause of the dealer
Shut up. 